This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 26, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Where are the divisions in the Muslim world over the fight Russia has taken to Ukraine? Where do long memories still shape today's beliefs about the nature of the Russian invasion? Cato's Mustafa Akiol comments. The ex-Soviet Union had a pretty famous run-in with a Muslim-dominated country in the late 1970s. Maybe you heard about it. And um, so I wonder what where the Muslim world is generally, uh, because there are a lot of uh, high high Muslim population countries that are very close to Russia and Ukraine. Where are they in uh, this uh, invasion of Russia into Ukraine? That's a good question. And I think um, the answer is complicated because if you had asked me, what is the Christian opinion in the world about the Ukraine uh, Russia crisis, I would say, well, what Christian opinion, right? Most Christians in the West obviously support Ukraine, and I think I th- that's the right thing to do. But if you ask uh, the Serbian church, or I mean, the, the Christians in Moscow, I mean, the, the Russian church, they're obviously on the side of Putin. And there is that sort of complexity in the Muslim world as well. There are some Muslims, you know, supporting Russia. I mean, the Muslims living in Russia, also, the Chechen militia have become famous or infamous because it's a brutal group actually led by a group, uh, led by a dictator, Chechen dictator, Ramzan Kadyrov, who's a, who's a puppet of Putin. So he joined the war on the side of Russia and that became uh, quite newsy. But there are also Muslims who are fighting on behalf of Ukraine against Russia. And they include, first of all, Chechen opposition uh, Muslims. They actually hate Russia because, or Putin's regime, basically, because actually destroyed, you know, Chechenia, ruined, uh, traumatized Chechenia in the 90s, in early 2000s, uh, during the war there, very similar to the Ukraine, actually, situation. And then uh, there are Muslims who are indigenous people of Ukraine. Uh, People might not be very familiar with that sometimes, but there are Crimean Tatars. These are Turkish-speaking or Turkic-speaking Muslims whose historical homeland is Crimea, that's the south of Ukraine, and they have a history of being oppressed by Russian dictators. (laughs) The earliest was when Stalin, I mean, Stalin expelled them in this tragic genocidal expulsion in 1944 to Central Asia during many Tatars died. Uh, And they returned back to their homeland after the Soviet collapse. When the Russians came back in 2014, they were alarmed. So that's why uh, soon after the war, the top Muslim cleric in Ukraine, Said Ismagilov, who's a Tatar himself, you know, uh, said, Ukraine is a free country. We're happy to be here as Muslims. I call on free, I call on Muslims of the world to support Ukraine. So that was another Muslim opinion, obviously, coming right from within Ukraine. How have Ukraine and Vladimir Putin, we don't even need to necessarily refer to Russia, how have Vladimir Putin versus Ukraine generally viewed Islam and Muslims? Uh, I mean, Russia is an oppressive regime, and but it's, it is fine with religious group as long as they give praise to the great leader, right? And that's what, and that's what some clerics in, in, in Russia, has, Muslim clerics have been doing, just like the Christian, uh, just like the Orthodox Church. And that's understandable. And 
uh, they were compelled, I think, to support the Russian war effort, which they did. I mean, some Muslim clerics in Russia. Uh, but that that's a national case. I mean, they're living in this bubble of propaganda and they're expected to support the regime. But others are uh, pro-Ukraine. And you see this not just in uh, Ukraine itself, but especially in other parts of, let's say, the Western Muslim landscape. And the countries I have in mind are Bosnia and Herzegovina, Albania and Kosovo. These are Muslim-majority states uh, in the in Eastern Europe. Uh, they are very free states compared to some of the, of, of course, oppressive regimes we unfortunately have in the Middle East. They are very much on the side of Ukraine because historically they have been threatened by the Russian expansion and the allies of Russia, such as Serbian nationalists who are on the side of Ukraine in this crisis. Um, whereas when you go to the Middle East, things change. Like what I would like to stress here is that there is really not a single Muslim opinion on these issues. Uh, Muslims in the in Eastern Europe, historically threatened by Russia, are all for Ukraine. And if you go to go to the Arab world, you will see some anti-Western attitudes because of the history there, and they might be not very supportive, but relatively more uh, sympathetic to Russia, or at least taking a neutral stance, which is generally the stance you see in the Middle East or in Pakistan uh, today. Whereas, like this is not our war, you know, we don't want the war, but you know, we don't want to take a side. So that's another uh, line you see. What about Turkey? And we're talking about NATO and the concern that. Vladimir Putin has had about NATO expansion and bringing NATO to the border of Russia. Uh, what about Turkey? Turkey is an interesting case because Turkey, my home country, is uh, also the only Muslim majority member of NATO, right? Uh, and it's a NATO ally. But on the other hand, Turkey has been drifting away from the NATO and the Western alliance in the past several years as President Erdogan's authoritarian rule found more sympathy with Russia and China. So that's another thing that has been concerning. However, since the beginning of this conflict, I think Turkey has done better than what could be worse. Uh, Turkey supported Ukraine with selling drones to Ukraine, which has been actually quite influential in the war in favor of Ukraine. Uh, and politically, Turkey didn't support Russia, although it took great pains not to offend Russia as well. So a Turkish commentator recently said that Turkey is trying to be pro-Ukraine without offending Russia. I think that's that's quite accurate. On the other hand, there is a pro-Russian sentiment you see in Turkey in some ideological groups, including some of the supporters of Erdogan, simply because they're anti-Western and, and they, they hate that anything that is they see as allied with the West, especially the United States. A uh, Russian uh, consulate in Turkey has been retweeting their writings and so on and so forth. So there's this ideological, uh, let's say, stance there. However, Turkey has not supported Russia. Turkey tried to mediate between Russia and Ukraine. One more thing is that Turkey also is the home of so many immigrants from the Caucasus, Crimea, and the Balkans. And these are the regions that has been historically threatened by Russia. And there you have immigrant populations in Turkey, immigrants for a few generations, who have a memory of being oppressed by Russian imperialism. Uh, for example, uh, not just the Crimean Tatars, but also the 
uh, Circassians in Northern Caucasus. They were oppressed by Russia in 1860s. They were invaded by Russian forces and they fled to Turkey. And one of them was my grand-grand-grandfather. So I know that history very well. So when uh, people speak about imperialism or colonialism in the world, most people have Western imperialism or, or colonialism in their mind, which is, of course, a grim story, European colonialism in the Middle East and more. But there's a phenomenon of Russian imperialism. Russia has historically wanted to expand and enlarge its territory and grab new lands, and it continued under the Soviet umbrella in the 20th century. And that has traumatized so many Muslim populations, uh, Circassians, uh, Crimeans, and Balkan Muslims. Af Afghans too. I mean, people now remember the Afghan war in the past 20 years, I mean, U.S. and NATO forces there. But before that, Afghanistan was occupied by Russian forces, and it was an incredibly brutal occupation, which gave rise to all the militancy that, that came after, I mean, including the Taliban. So oh, there is a history of Russian imperialism in the world, which has traumatized Muslim populations. And I think it's time for more and more Muslims, especially in the Middle East, to realize that, that problem. Mustafa Akiol is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and author of Reopening Muslim Minds, A Return to Reason, Freedom, and Tolerance. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.